The choice to purchase or abstain from private health insurance can have significant tax implications. So how can you avoid unexpectedly owing additional tax yourself? Hello, my name is Ursula Leparoli and I'm a tax director here at KPMG. Today we're going to take this question and discuss the complex system of private health insurance sector and the corresponding impact to individual income tax in Australia. I lead our delivery and data excellence team here in Sydney, where we work with expats and high net worth individuals on their individual income tax matters. I'm joined here today by Jackie Shelton. Hi, everyone. Who is a partner in people services at KPMG. Our people services team offers a wide range of advice to employers and their employees with people matters associated with globally mobile workforce. Amongst other things, Jackie specializes in working with companies to structure their expatriate policies to maximize the benefits for all parties while remaining tax effective. We are both very excited to have Amrin Sheikh with us. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Amrin is the Compensation and Benefits Manager at Danone Oceana. She leads the remuneration and benefit function for the 700-plus strong Oceana workforce, encompassing offices and manufacturing sites across Australia and New Zealand. All of us at some point in time consider our health, and most of us are also concerned about our taxes. I brought us here together today to talk about where the two meet in Australia, private health insurance. There has been no shortage of attention in the media lately in relation to the way that various countries approach the way in which residents receive and fund medical care. This has inspired our chat today, where we will look at the Australian landscape and discuss both the impacts to individuals and the issues that employers should be aware of. Before we launch into a discussion, I want to provide some background for those taxpayers out there that might not be across the nuances of how our tax system in Australia is impacted by private health. In Australia, taxpayers with income currently over $22,398 that are eligible or supporting an eligible person pay the Medicare levy of 2% to contribute to our public health care system. If you are a visitor to Australia and not a citizen or permanent resident, you are not eligible to access the public health care system without paying outright, unless you meet certain criteria. For example, an expat most recently living in one of the 11 countries with a reciprocal health care agreement with Australia, such as the UK, Ireland, and Italy, may be able to access some or all of the system. A notable exclusion is the US. When you are not eligible, the Medicare levy is refunded to you via the tax return process. So Jackie, the supporting an eligible person trips people up sometimes. Can you tell us about how some expats can get caught out? Sure, Ursula. Look, the legislation defines individuals not subject to the Medicare levy as prescribed persons. However, where an individual has dependents, their dependents must also meet the definition of a prescribed person in order for that individual to not be subject to the Medicare levy. And this trips up a lot of people as they come into Australia are not eligible for the Medicare levy themselves, but their de facto partner, for instance, is from a country where they are entitled to Medicare benefits or are an Australian themselves. So it's really important that everyone understands what de facto means when they are looking at whether they are subject to the Medicare levy. And does that apply to kids too? It does. Uh, dependence includes children. So if you came to Australia but your dependents were Australian citizens, that includes them as well. Mm -hmm. 
All right, now that we've established who needs to pay the Medicare levy, we can dive into the crux of our discussion today, which stems from the financial penalties for not having sufficient private health insurance, more commonly known as the Medicare levy surcharge, which ranges from 1% to 1.5%. This uncapped surcharge can cause unwelcome tax expense for the unsuspecting high-income earner if they are not covered. For example, a family with an income of $200,000 could be subject to $2,000 in Medicare levy surcharge. Jackie, what would your advice be to expats coming to Australia, or for that matter, Australians currently living here, on what steps they should do to avoid the Medicare levy surcharge? I think the first thing that everyone needs to consider is what is a complying fund? Um, A complying fund is a fund that ensures that you are not liable for the Medicare levy surcharge and not all funds have policies which are complying. So the first thing you should be asking your insurer is, is my fund complying? And generally I tell people to actually ask the question, will I be subject to the Medicare levy surcharge if I have this particular policy? The second thing that you need to consider is the benefits of the private health insurance versus the cost of the Medicare levy surcharge. Um, So a lot of people will do a tax calculation to determine whether they think they will be more costly for them to pay the private health insurance premiums or to actually just pay the surcharge through their return. Thirdly, there are government rebates that apply to private health insurance of up to 30%, depending on your income level. A lot of people will claim the full 30% up front and pay the reduced premiums only to get caught with a tax bill when they lodge their tax return as their income levels end up being too high. As a benchmark, a family with one child earning over $280,000 is not eligible for any government assistance, meaning they are not entitled to a rebate. Finally, I think the last thing that people need to be aware of when they're weighing up whether to get private health insurance versus paying the surcharge is the lifetime health cover loading, which requires you to pay higher premiums for every year that you don't have private health insurance over the age of 30. Amron, what does Danone do to support their expats and international hires into Australia around this? Sure. So at locally here at Danone in Australia um, and also in New Zealand, we actually uh, put well-being of our Danoners at the centre of everything we do. Therefore, I'm actually very proud to share that we actually cover top hospital cover for all our local and international employees um, in Australia, which I think is is quite unique for our market. Um, and in this way, we ensure that our Danoners are very much looked after. Gosh, there's so much to consider when moving countries. It's no wonder people overlook insurance. I can remember in a tax briefing once with a British expat, and he was very shocked when I advised that he would need to pay the 2% Medicare levy, regardless of the fact that he had cover under a global plan, and that he needed to ensure that his cover was from a complying fund, as you mentioned, Jackie, or the surcharge would apply. In this instance, the value of being informed saved him real dollars, as he might have otherwise gone without an Australian-complying coverage. Being from the UK, a country with which Australia has a reciprocal health care agreement, this would have had significant financial consequences for him. Jackie, deciding to get permanent residency is a, is a big decision, and often private health insurance is the last thing a family's thinking about. However, there can be tax consequences from the moment that you apply. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure, Ursula. I think the one thing that people forget is 
whilst tax can change from the point where you acquire permanent residency, you are subject to the Medicare levy from the date that you actually apply for permanent residency if you were not subject to it before because you were a prescribed person. Um, I think it's really important too that people actually look at getting tax advice on a whole at that point rather than waiting till the point where they have received their permanent residency. So it's best if you're thinking about getting permanent residency, just go talk to somebody about tax advice and migration advice at the same time. That's right. Before you put in that application for permanent residency, we would strongly advise individuals to get some advice, whether it's around the Medicare levy, around the visa and around their tax as a whole. Before we move on to matters that an employer should consider, I wanted to cover one more issue, lifetime health cover. Essentially, lifetime health cover is a 2% loading on top of the insurance premium for every year you are aged over 30 and do not have Australian-complying private health cover. I'm currently paying this right now for my husband who waited a day too late from the year of anniversary of our grant of permanent residency to get insurance. He was above the age of 31 when we received our PR, so the clock was ticking and he had 365 days to take action. He didn't, and now we're stuck with the additional premium cost for 10 years. Sad, sad face. <laughs> now that we all feel more informed about our personal tax and situation, let's turn our minds to the employer perspective. There are so many decisions that go into determining the benefits package. Jackie, can you tell us about what you were seeing in the market now in relation to companies offering insurance as part of the total remuneration package? Sure, Ursula. I think Amron already just touched on this in terms of Danone's policy. But many employers look at providing private health insurance as part of their uh, benefits for employees, particularly around the wellbeing space. They either do this um, on a 100% reimbursement basis, or they may offer corporate discounts that they've negotiated with funds so that it reduces the cost of the premiums. Or, again, they may actually offer to reimburse up to a cap for health insurance costs. Mm. Well, Amrin, we invited you here today as, as you deal with all of the expats that Danone has and moves in and out of Australia and New Zealand. Before we ask you a couple of questions on private health insurance, do you want to tell us a little bit about Danone and, and its vision? Yeah, sure. Um, I think it's good that I talk about our vision so that it actually links into why we offer this amazing benefit of health insurance for all our employees. So Danone is dedicated to bringing health through food to as many people as possible. Um, we are a leading global food and beverage company built on four businesses essentially, which is essential dairy and plant-based products, waters and specialized nutrition. I mean, I'm sure most of you would know Avion Water and, and Caricare and Aptimil, um, <laughs> which is great. Um, we stand by our vision and our vision is one planet, one health. Um, These words reflect our vision that the health of people and the health of planet are interconnected. It is a call to action for all consumers and everyone who has a stake in food to join the food revolution, a movement aimed at nurturing the adoption of healthier and more sustainable eating and drinking habits. 
We bring our vision to life with an innovative governance and employee engagement model called One Person, One Share, um, One Voice. Um, each of Danone's 100,000 employees have been invited to actively engage and participate in shaping Danone's future towards the 2030 goals. Um, and the first part of One Voice really is to empower employees to go on our company agenda. And lastly, uh, the second part, which is one person, one share, means each employee to receive one Danone share to deepen the ownership mindset. Um, this is just in a nutshell to mention how I'm so proud as the compensation and benefits lead for Oshania to be inspired by our company vision. And therefore, we always ensure that we have well-being at the core of all our benefits. Sounds mm-hmm. like you're living the vision there. I yes. love the benefits you're providing to everyone. Um, for any of the listeners, we're um, going to include some links to Danone's vision mm-hmm. so that you can read more about it after the podcast. But I'll have to pull you back towards the tax for now. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, Amrin, does Danone currently pay fringe benefits tax on its insurance premiums that you provide to the employees? Yes, we do. You do? Mm-hmm. So Jackie, um, is that something that you would typically expect? Yes, there is a tax cost associated with providing the benefit, similar to if the individual paid for it themselves, they would be paying the cost. If the employer takes on the responsibility of providing health insurance for their employees, effectively they're paying not only that cost, but the tax on top of that. And because it's an employer-provider benefit, that tax is um, paid by the employer unless they choose to pass it on to the employee. Mm-hmm. Speaking of extra costs, Amrin, do you have expats from countries with reciprocal health care agreements with Australia, like the UK? Mm-hmm. Yep. You do? Yes, we do. And then we actually recommend um, employees to take the additional cover mm-hmm. on a reciprocal cover with the local health insurance provider to avoid a nasty tax bill. Mm. at the end of the year. Mm. Um, And in saying that, there are fantastic international policies available with great cover, but they're just not sufficient for Medicare purposes. So this is something we have a duty of care for our employees before we ask them to come to Australia to ensure they're aware of this arrangement in place. Yeah, yeah. And, And how do you go about making them aware so obviously we work with KPMG as well um, on this one, and obviously we have an international mobility team um, who ensure that you know they they educate them around reciprocal healthcare agreement, mm. how it works, and then how we can ensure they have an add-on cover mm-hmm. um, locally uh, with our chosen provider. Yeah, to yeah, help them reduce good. the tax bill, really. Yeah. No surprises then. No, <laughs> we try our best. <laughs> so one last question, Amrin. Mm-hmm. Do you think the Danone Australian expats who go abroad, so the Australians going overseas for assignments, would continue to pay their Australian private health insurance cover while they're overseas? Mm-hmm. So our Australian expats would probably suspend their health cover. So when they return, their waiting periods are recognised. For the time our Australian colleagues are overseas for at least one year, the days spent outside of Australia do not count towards days of absence, and hence the lifetime health cover loading wouldn't apply if they provide evidence of same, such as the international movement records of the insurer. You're so right, Amran. We really encourage expats to suspend rather than cancel their private health insurance when moving overseas to work to ensure they're not subject to waiting periods on return. It's important that they confirm with their health insurer how long they can suspend for, as different insurers have different caps, 
and that the suspension is not counted towards the 1,094 days of absence allowed under the lifetime health cover loading. Where an individual does end up cancelling their private health insurance, either initially when they go overseas or two, three years down the track when the suspension is up, and they're living overseas for at least one continuous year, they are not subject to the lifetime health cover loading. What's really important, however, is that on repatriation, when they come back to Australia, that they pick up the right level of cover. This is often forgotten, and when you begin to eat into that 1,094 days of permitted days without cover and or end up with Medicare levy surcharge, it can be really costly. And we have seen people coming back to Australia thinking, I'm going to maintain my international policy because it has all these bells and whistles of coverage. I don't need an Australian policy. And then, of course, they get that nasty tax bill at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness, ladies. It feels like we could keep on chatting about this for hours, but I think we'll have to end our conversation now. It's obvious that with higher levels of income, there are more tax dollars at stake where private health cover is insufficient. These are decisions that taxpayers and their employers must take in relation to insurance to reflect their ideals while balancing the bottom line. Please send us any emails if you have any questions to kpmgtaxnow at kpmg.com.au. Thanks all for listening. Thank you. Thank you, everyone.